it's all very well talking about being real, showing up real, having authentic conversations online and offline, but hey, could we do with a few tips on how? Yes, we could. Hello, I'm Trisha Lewis. This is the Make It Real podcast, and I will be talking to very real people who've had very real experience, mistakes and everything, and they will be giving you those tips. So, stay tuned. Hi, Devon. Hey. <laughs> That's good. I, I, I like it when I speak to people in America because they're very enthusiastic. Hey. <laughs> and, and Yo, Devin, hey, what's going yeah, on? Hey, where, where? what's going on? This is awesome. And because I am speaking to you in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and that's, well, that's somewhere in America, listeners. And I was just telling Devin how useless my geography was, so we won't go any further with that. But it is an absolute treat to speak to Devin Halliday. And Devin is the author of a rather good book that I have just been reading called Belonging. And I'm going to get him to explain more about his general mission and what he does. Over to you, Devin. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, I appreciate you having me on this. This is fantastic. So yeah, the book belonging factor came from a, a whole lot of stuff and I'll, I'll try to go all the way back to the beginning, but the beginning of this journey, not the beginning of my life. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody wants to, to listen to, uh, you know, my stories of running around in nappies. Right. So the, uh, the, the Genesis here was, I came to understand probably somewhere in my thirties and I'm in my early forties now what my mission in life really was, where my purpose was. And that was for me to unlock and develop the potential in others so that they can do more in the world. And it, it found roots in kind of a servant leadership idea. It found roots in just people working with people and being pretty cool to each other instead of jerks. Uh, also rooted in the idea that it's, for me, it feels so much better to give than receive. I love receiving but the reason I like receiving is usually because somebody else feels so great about the fact that they gave, right? And so it's, it's that reciprocal part of it. So for me, reciprocity, I think, is the one word that I could use to describe kind of what, what really has guided now my mission and work that I've done, which led to now this book coming out. Yeah, and and uh, I, I love that word. I can't say it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Reciprocity. Thank you. Reci reciprocity. Good that I'm a communication coach. Um, so it's a great book, and yeah, your mission to unlock and develop the potential in others to do more in the world, I think, is quite a quite a sturdy mission, Devon. I'll go with that. But you actually, of course, you say we don't want to hear about you running around in nappies. That is correct. But <laughs> we do want to hear about how you, because, you know, you went on a journey in order to get to a place where your thinking went this way. And yours is quite an interesting journey because you kind of started off in the Navy. Yeah. So the military, right? Like when you think about a place to be an individual and to grow your individual spirit, the military is not the number one place that comes to mind. And, uh, and so let me, let me back up a little, cause I know for everybody who's listening, you have a journey, whether or not you've identified the path, you know, the parts of your journey that have led you to where you're at, or you're still working to identify it. It's, it's important, I think, to be able to reflect and understand 
everywhere we've been, our past informs our present, right? Everywhere we've been is part of who we are now. And so we can make deliberate steps to continue to shape and evolve that. So for me, it started like this, maybe not quite nappy age, but four or five years old, my grandfather takes me to an air show in San Francisco, California, and the Blue Angels, the US Navy's flight demonstration team is flying their jets and they just, they're so amazing at what they do. And I'm so impressed by naval aviation and I wanna come back and I wanna see more of that. Well, fast forward a little bit, the movie Top Gun comes out. Famous movie, Tom Cruise, Maverick, you know, going against the grain. He's that super cool fighter pilot that doesn't care about the rules. And I was like, oh, so there is a little bit of that thing. You can be kind of a maverick and still be in the Navy and be in aviation. I want to do that. So mind you, I'm like eight at this point, right? Now, fast forward, I've graduated high school. I've started going to college and I decided, you know what? I belong in the military. This is a place for me because I love jets. I love aviation. I wanted to live on an aircraft carrier. I want to travel the world. And I joined and I loved what I did. And I kept planes in the air and I was around the fighter jets all the time, fixing them, taking care of them. Um, but I came to start to realize it, it, as great as it was, all these experiences I had with interacting with all of these people from all over the country who I never would have necessarily at that age in my life had the ability to interface with, it, it was still the military. And there wasn't this unique sense of your own personal identity. And I started to, to realize that maybe this wasn't where I belonged. So you know, that was probably the first moment for me at, at 20 something years old where I went, okay, it's okay to have a dream and then kind of get there and go, mm, there's something more here. This isn't it. And, and shift paths, right? And so for me, that was so important. I didn't recognize the significance of it in the moment, but it was so important to shaping where things have kind of gone since then. Yeah, and, th and there you were in this sense of, or I, that, that's, the, I mean, that's a perfect way to describe it because there was so much you loved about the Navy, but of course it was going to highlight this personal identity issue. And yeah, so you, obviously you came out of the Navy um, and you went yeah. into businesses and now you're on a different part of your journey. And then yeah. something weird happens, doesn't it, with this whole people thing yeah so so here's kind of here's kind of the evolution of my journey is i've been able to to really understand it and again it's it's through reflection it's so hard to do in the moment to identify where you're at in your journey but if you look back a few steps it works pretty well so um i spent 18 years after i got in the military in one organization one company starting from a temp answering phones to leading people uh, across multiple states and so the the journey for me really hit me early on. I became a, a manager of a team that I had been a part of, which is sometimes quite difficult to do. And I, I built a good relationship with that team to where they could tell me if I was doing something right or doing something wrong, if they appreciated it. And they came to me and they told me, you're horrible at this. You're doing all of the wrong things. And I was, I was emulating other people who were in, leadership positions within the same organization that I, th I thought you needed to do that. And I was doing that and it wasn't working for my team and our results were suffering and I was upset every day and they were upset every day. But fortunately there was a good enough relationship. They came to me and they said like, listen, you're going to have a mutiny on your hands unless you do something different, which that's pretty, pretty bold. And so for me, I had to recognize I have to do something about this. I'm the, I, I've, I've worked my way into a position where there's nobody else who's going to fix this but me. 
So, so I, I, I backed up from, you know, coaching and talking to everything about performance outcomes, started talking to people about their lives. And so this was a sales related role. And so you would think salespeople are money motivated, but not all people are money motivated, but people are lifestyle motivated. People are goal motivated. So I started talking to people like Jessica, Jessica, what do you want to do? Why aren't you money motivated? Well, I, you know, I only need to make X amount. Well, guess what? What do you love to do? Well, I like to go out on my friend's boat. Wouldn't you love to have a boat of your own? Yeah, that would be cool. How do I do that? Well, let's see how we could make some more money every month to afford a boat payment. And then she got her boat. And then it was like, well, I'm sick of borrowing my friend's truck to haul my boat down to the marina. So, hey, let's figure out how you can make enough money to buy a truck. And for Nathan, he just wanted to travel all over the place to music festivals. And he wanted to go to Glastonbury and he wanted to travel all to, to, to Bonnaroo and Coachella. I mean, you name it, all of the big festivals around the world. And he, uh, and so for, for him, that was the motivation to earn more money or perform better. Once I started coaching to things that mattered to people, I had another person who was just starting a family. He was already thinking about what the university costs were going to be for his kids 15, 18 years down the road. And so we started planning for that. And, uh, and everything changed. And I realized this was a pivotal, pivotal moment where it was about people and creating that sense of trust, aligned values, understanding, and belonging. And again, I didn't have that word back then, but fast forward all these years and putting things in practice based on that principle, and suddenly things really start to align and light up. Yeah, 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 yeah. People, 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 people. I love that because, um, so the, the, this, for a lot of the listeners of this podcast, they might be running their own businesses and they might have lost, <laughs> they might have lost track of the most important thing, which is like them. Uh, it, it's so easy. It's so easy in those first years to get so overwhelmed with it. Now talking about overwhelm, you talk about um, artificial connection and th this, this leads us on to this crazy world we're living in. So um, all this digital connection might make us think, oh, we all, you know, we belong in this. Oh, I'm a member of this Facebook group. Um, you know, I, I've got my, uh, my followers on Twitter. I'm this, I'm that. I'm, I'm part of a group on LinkedIn. Oh, oh, look at all this connectivity and belonging. And oh, is it? Yeah. So a big piece of belonging is truly having a sense of community. And one thing like you're talking about that, uh, that I, you know, this is, don't just trust me. I mean, this is coming from people like uh, Ernst and Young and IBM and uh, m many other scholastic areas that have researched this idea of what happens when we feel like we're part of a community that we realize eventually we're not. So here's what I mean by that. Facebook group. Cool. You're in, you've got invited into this Facebook group, Twitter. You have 2000 likes on your last Twitter post in 1500 retweets. Yes, you've done it, right? You've got that great thing going on. Or here's another one. You post something on Instagram and you keep checking back to see how many likes you've got on Instagram and you hit 500 or something. And you're like, Oh yes, this is fantastic. I, yeah, these are my people. I belong here. But then what happens? So you get that huge like dopamine reward in your brain, right? And what happens as soon as that dopamine fades out of your cells in your body, you, you have a deficit again. You have, this, you have this itch. You're like a junkie. And so you've got to go get your fix again. So what do you do? You, you go do that crazy pose or that crazy shot on Instagram or go to that restaurant to get that one meal that everybody loves seeing pictures of and you post it. 
and you wait for the likes to come in and you wait for that dopamine rush. That's a deficit of belonging. That is such a, it's not even superficial because it doesn't even touch the surface of what belongingness is. Belongingness is a community of aligned and shared values, not just liking pictures that look cool or waiting for somebody to, to tell you you're cool, but it's about knowing who you are knowing what your values are and what aligns for you, right? So that's this deficit that we live in where we think we're part of communities that we're really not. Because as soon as I asked you any question about the person who pressed the like on your photo, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to answer me. You wouldn't even be able to tell me likely where they live, right? Which means are you really part of a community if you know nothing about each other? No, which is why we have to look at it very differently. I've, I've, you know, in more recent times, I've got some fabulous connectivity of the real type, but online, you know, so we're not saying that you can't be online in this digital world and not actually have proper belonging connectivity. Of course, of course you can, but it's, it's the way you approach it. So you have to approach it with the people first thing and the values and the alignment. And then it's, and then you can just have like, three people like your thing but look who they are they're these people who i really respect who get me and i get them and this is it this i don't care about those other fifty thousand. i just don't care um and so but it takes work to get to the right people you know and and online it and actually offline doesn't it it's it's not like an instant thing yeah. yeah, offline and online are very similar, right? And, and what, what's been interesting is to see generationally this idea of discomfort in interacting offline with people. They're more comfortable interacting online because you have to be vulnerable and you have to be authentic and people can see who you really are, not who you say you are. And so the trick then, and this is part of the belonging factor, is you have to start with yourself before you can start affecting belonging with others. And so the trick then is to be who you say you are. So if you say you are this crazy, you know, adventurous person, you know, based on looking at your Instagram profile that you've never done anything wrong in your life, you better be perfect. But be careful because that's an impossible standard. So better to set your standard appropriately. And to that idea, though, of connecting offline too. I say bring online connections offline. And, and when, I, when I mean bring it offline, it could just be a phone call or a Zoom uh, you know, conference, video conference call to where you can see the other person. Uh, for example, we met in an online space. We met via a LinkedIn kind of you know, connection. And then we've grown our connection, you and I, into being able to see each other and talk to each other. And so that's, that is an offline connection, although we've never, you know, hugged yeah. or, or no, exchanged shame, pleasantries yeah. yeah right I, mean, I look forward to the hug but um no i i absolutely agree and and doing podcasts actually like this um is is a fabulous example because i do feel well here, here here's the way it goes Devin, isn't it if you think about a podcast because you have a podcast and yeah. it's um it, it right so you you go through a series of of steps which all end up with this belonging connectivity mm. buzz because you start off by filter you well, this is what you need to do if you if you do it this way you'll get to good places so you start off actually I'll, I'll let you describe it how you get to this place where you're interviewing the kind of people that you're aligned with and then the whole thing starts you know pulling together 
uh, holistically without any kind of jarring stuff because it starts from who you're attracting and what you're putting out in the first place with your podcast. That's a good example. Sure. Yeah, I agree. And so again, the first part is, is truly to just be authentic in, in the material that you're putting out there, what you're putting out there, be impeccable in your ability to analyze yourself and, and to be transparent first with yourself and then with the rest of the world, be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to put out content that is, is meaningful and share authentically struggles you you're experiencing or, um, wins that you have or ways that other people without anything expected in return ways that other people might be able to benefit from your lived experience everybody has a story or a experience that others can learn from and it's such a great feeling to share from my experience and help others through the process so th that kind of starts as the first piece of it and then you have to you have to trust you know so when you're getting people who are coming to you trust that there's a reason for that. Um, I, I like to say trust, but verify um, as kind of a, a, a general rule is trust that, that what somebody's sharing with you is authentic. Trust that what somebody's giving to, and this doesn't just apply to a meeting and initial connection, but just in general as a life rule, um, but verify, ver verify that, that things are as they seem. You know, it's important to take that step. Um, ideally, we'd love to give blind trust to everyone. The reality is, we have to make sure that we have energy that is, is, you know, let's go back to reciprocity energy that is being given and, and then is something else is being done positive with it. And then the last part uh, I would say is um, when people tell you who they are, you know, definitely believe them, right. Um, as a general rule. And so to make sure that um, if somebody tells you I'm a struggling person at this and I really want to get better, believe them. And if they tell you, Hey, listen, I'm a, I, I'm incredibly skilled at this one thing, believe them and then verify, but then figure out how you can leverage your support or connection with them to help the both of you, right? That's the, yeah. the biggest and best thing is how can we both and our listeners, if we're doing podcasts, how can yeah. all three win from our, our connection? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, um, I suppose, I suppose you also have to begin to trust your instincts and um, I'm, yeah, I'm quite into this instinct stuff because mm. um, yeah, I was, I've, I've been uh, reading a book recently by Robert Greene called Mastery and, and he talks about um, intuition and it's, which is on a similar sort of place to, to instinct mm -hmm. in a way. And he says, you know, like it's not a magic thing. It, you have it because of those 20, 30 years or whatever it is, or 10 years or five years of experience mm. gained of your journey of meeting people of skills that you've learned, etc. Then you sit and you listen to somebody or see that email coming in saying, can I be a guest? And that thing that happens that kind of gut reaction it, it's not a magical fluffy thing it is there for a reason because you you put all of that suddenly comes into play doesn't it yeah and you true. read those few lines and something says no no this this person isn't isn't right for this podcast or yeah this person is despite the fact that they're both strangers a hundred percent it's quite profound wasn't it Devin? it was yeah yeah I, I, <laughs> Gee, that'll go in the show notes. Just, just me, basically. I just put my quote in the show notes. Yeah, quote yourself all day. Hey, listen. I mean, that's it, it. Isn't that though what we're ultimately constantly talking about here? Is this idea of, you know, 
we're not trying to serve ourselves first, right? Mm. Um, and so what I mean by that in this context is um, like for the show notes, like, yeah, put, put in what is valuable because you're trying to serve your audience or that person or people you're connecting with first. So yeah, you put that in there because it's not about me as, as the guest yeah. or about you as the host. It's about the, the audience. And so the yeah. same thing is with a brand as a company, the same thing is with uh, as a leader. It's not about you. It's not about your performance outcome. It's about your people because those are the people that are going to elevate you as a leader. And those are the people that are going to deliver the outcomes you have to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you get the you get the good, 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 lovely, warm, huggable connections on places like LinkedIn or at your local networking events or whatever it is, or you're volunteering somewhere perhaps or whatever. And 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 words spoken by those people about your product, your 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 service, are just gold dust, you know, um, as opposed to paid advertising, sorry, but you know, it's true. And I also love that point, you know, as you're building your, your brand, um, you know, emulating other people becomes a real, um, possible danger zone, doesn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, this, the story I shared that, that was, that was a lesson that I learned very early, uh, and the the reality is it you know that that can carry you so far any person that can carry you to a certain point but then you come to that point of exposure uh you know uh, there's a term here in the u.s uh, promoted to the level of incompetence i'm not sure if that carries <laughs> yeah. but some people get promoted to the level where they're just no longer capable of actually doing that job well it's a similar concept right you 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 eventually move into a position where you're exposed for um not being authentic. And so then you have to actually figure out who you are and what you're going to be to the world, or you have to not. And it it usually doesn't end well for anybody if you never figure that out. No. And as you say, so everything you put out there, you've got to figure out your own values. You've then got to make sure that, that, that they align with you know, what you're listening to and where that sweet spot is, where it all meets. And in fact, I'll quote you here from just to show that I read your book, Devin. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> Values are evident at the intersection of words and actions. See? Yeah. That's true. I, I, I wrote that. You wrote yeah. that. I you did. It. it better be true. Um, I, that, that's, that's absolutely the case. And I, I noticed a word that I think comes up quite a lot with you, which is one of my top values, and that is curiosity. Mm. It's nice, isn't that? Yes, be, be eternally curious, right? Uh, it, it certainly is very difficult to convince anybody of anything if you talk the whole time. Uh, it is certainly very difficult to um, understand a situation if you don't ask questions or if you mansplain as we like to say in the u.s um and the reality is we could get to some basic neuro-linguistic programming right like what's what's a person's favorite sound generally their own voice and uh, (laughs) the favorite word is usually their own name uh and i could be in an interaction or conversation with you where i'm just being curious and asking a ton of questions and I'm not saying anything back other than maybe follow up questions to some points you've made. And you're going to walk away from that conversation feeling like I'm the coolest person in the world that I'm so smart and I'm so this and that yet I said nothing except ask questions. 
you did all the talking. What happened there? Well, my, my capital went up a little bit in your mind, but more importantly, I learned a lot. And what I learned, I can um, do so much with. I can follow up with you in certain things. I can bring your passion or your capability around something you might've talked about into play in a different area you maybe never ever considered in a way that would be so fulfilling for you. But that's really hard to do, particularly as a leader or business owner uh, or brand manager. It's really hard to do if you don't listen to the people that you are engaging with and instead think you know what is right and tell everybody else what that is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I recently reached out and got a little bit of kind of market research. I, I had some people call you, you know, that you were one of them. And honestly, mm. the things I learned, you know, it's quite brave because you just kind of, you're almost saying, you know, so what do you think it is I do? And does that come across and whatever? And, and oh, it was Oh, it was just golden. It was so useful. And that's just pure curiosity. It's one of the big tips I give to clients. And somebody mm -hmm. just recently said to me, in fact, only I think yesterday, um, I put a post on Facebook about this. And she said, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, Trisha. I'm doing it. And it's working. This whole asking questions. Because she's quite a, she would describe herself as quite introverted, you know, quite, whatever. I don't like to put labels on people, but you know, people who find it difficult to just walk into a room full of strangers and have mm. conversations. This is the biggest, lovely, lovely um, thing you can do is just turn it all around so that they get talking about themselves. And you're so right. You walk away as the, you know, with gold stars all over you because, because they, they just love the fact you listen to them um, and somehow you've got credit for saying all these things, which, which actually they said. So it's just... <laughs> Isn't that right? <laughs> hey, you know, so Trisha, when we were talking the other day, uh, you said all these great, wonderful things. And then you come back and you go, hmm, well, actually, I didn't even say anything at all. <laughs> you, you did all the talking, Devin. And I go, oh, yeah. Yes. That's why you're so great. That's why I like you so much. <laughs> Uh, but I wasn't, I, I, I just used to hide in corners. I, I was kind of all kind of shy and desperately self-conscious um, for many, many years. So I, I get this. I really get this. That, that, I mean, if I was going to give one tip to anybody who's listening, who feels a little bit more introverted, a little, a little less like they belong when they're in a social environment or social setting where everybody seems to be just conversing so naturally and everything just seems to be flowing and you're like... <gasps> how the heck do I do this? Like, this isn't me. Um, there might be some um, narcissists in a room like that, potentially ask them about themselves. They will gladly tell you everything about themselves. And you know what? As much as maybe you don't want to hear it, listen for some of the gems in there that they may share to figure out how you can better know this person. But also, your social capital goes up because they think you're the greatest person in the world because you just let them talk about them forever, right? Or whatever it is. Yeah. But start there. Um, and I know it might seem weird because you're like, ah, you know, I think I know everything about this guy and I don't want to learn anything else because I don't really like him. That's okay to have that feeling as long as that's not where it ends. You know, yeah. get, give somebody the credit to open that dialogue. Who knows? You may uncover some gems and they have just met a great business partner, a great friend, um, or you may have just confirmed the things you already know and you can move on in your conversation. But just be curious, ask a question. And it's, it's a great way to, to start to feel a little bit 
less like the outsider. Maybe you never quite feel like you belong in that room, but you're there for a reason. So do something with it. Yeah, I'm loving it. Words like curiosity, connection, community, because all words begin with C. Uh, But then there's (laughs) reciprocity. Reciprocity. There's a C in there somewhere, I promise. Uh, you know, and I, these are all good words. These are just all good words. So we're going to wrap up. Is there any, I think we've already covered specific things. I mean, that's one we've just talked about that people could actually go out and do to increase this, this whole belonging thing. Anything else as a yes. specific tip? So let me do this. So if, if you are a, a people leader in any way, you may, have just, you may just think of yourself as a manager, but if you have anybody who reports to you, or if you're a business leader, and even if right now you are just a solo practitioner and looking to grow your business, this tip applies to everybody. Understand what your personal values look like. So what's most important to you about your integrity? Define it. What's behaviors or actions that, that make sense for you? Um, if it's about honesty or if it's about community involvement or any of these other things that, that are important values, write them down. Don't let them live just in your head. Write them down. They become more tangible. Plus, you can start to define what actions and behaviors align with those. So whatever that looks like for you, it may be a note in your smartphone, or it may be post-its all over your house, or it could be deciding that you want to go all motivational poster on it and get a big poster printed up and, and put it on your wall. That's number one. Number two is this. In your organization, Look at what your corporate values are, what, what the company says we believe who we are and how we behave internally with our customers and suppliers and with our communities. Every company has those. And if you're a solo practitioner and you don't have them, consider writing that right now. It's so important because it will inform a lot of your decision-making process throughout all of the rest of the strategic business planning you do. So then don't just stop, though, at looking at what those values are. So let's, I'm going to use the people leader example. Don't just go, okay, cool, here, I I know what my corporate values are. But now detail what the behaviors are for the people who report to you and for you that align with each of those. So if it says community involvement and we, uh, or that something about delivering excellent customer service, whatever it is that's in your values, define the behavior that you should expect to be able to see that supports that value for the people on your team and for yourself. Now, if you're a solo practitioner and you're just starting this whole process out, Make sure that you do that. Nobody does this. And this is the problem. This is why values start to disappear or get sidelined for performance-based results is because there's so many measurements about what we do and so many prescribed behaviors about what you do to achieve your result. But everybody writes the values proposition and value statement, posts it on a wall or puts it up on a computer board, and then is like, "Mm, okay, cool, we're done. We've got values. No, that's not how it works. So do that step especially as a solo practitioner starting your business or a new small business, define exactly what the behaviors are that align with those values for each of the roles that are in your organization right now. And if it's just you, start there. It's just you. That is the biggest and best tip I can give you because it will allow you to really truly guide and define how you do and live the values that are so important, not just what the values are. And live. You're right. Absolutely. Um, and 
Oh, I'm just taking a breath there, Devin, because that was perfect. That was, that was a real tangible piece of advice. People can, you know, we, we've, we've delved into it. We, we've got a real sense of how important this belonging thing is, this connectivity, this curiosity, and really important. These, aren't, these are not fluffy words. Um, and, and, now, and now people can go and actually start, you know, even if you've done it before, just maybe chuck it in the bin and, and do it again because this needs a refresh this needs a refresh so this has been an absolutely brilliant chat Devin but I knew it would be but I want people to just have a clue as to how they get to know you more and get your book etc so go for it oh I get to sell huh all right so don't 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 stop the podcast everybody this is the best part I promise <laughs> so th- there's a there's a couple ways that you can get in touch with me if if you're interested in checking out the book you know, go to Amazon, it's there, uh, and it's Belonging Factor, How Great Brands and Great Leaders Inspire Loyalty, Build Community, and Grow Profits. Uh, you can find that on Amazon. You can go to book.belongingfactor.com if you want to get yourself an autographed copy of it. Uh, and 10 bucks of that goes to uh, charity as well when you buy it directly through my website. So I love being able to do it that way. And then um, if, the, if you want to learn more about me, the work that I do, and how we could potentially work together, go to devinhalliday.com. You'll find everything you need. D-E-V-I-N-H-A-L-L-I-D-A-Y.com. Love to connect with you. Now, perfect. LinkedIn, Twitter, all those, all those will be on the show notes, of course. Uh, this, has been, this has been fun and very uh, informative. <laughs> fun and informative. What more could you ask Hey, listen, for? and it has for me too, which means we've achieved a level of what? Belonging. And reciprocity. Yes. Reciprocity. Go for it. Bye, Devin. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Cheers. Right. Yes. Take action. Try this one small step. Check out your values. You might already have done them, but go to the next step, as Devin says, and define the behaviours that align with those values. Yeah. Good exercise, eh? Do it. Lot of fascinating stuff. You might need some show notes. So head over to trishalewis.com forward slash make it real podcast and subscribe because then you'll know when the next episode is available. I give you permission to go out and be real and enjoy it. Look forward to the next episode. Never be replaced.